Hey, this is Kyle Eidelman from Southeast Christian Church, and I'm going to thank you for listening to the message today. As we open up the scriptures together, I pray that this message inspires you, challenges you, and is the right word at just the right time in your life. Enjoy the message. I want to welcome you to celebrating uh, Christmas with us. And this is one of around, I think, like uh, 53 services across all of our campuses. We're gathered together to just be thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus. That's why most of us are here. I recognize that's not why all of you are here. Like some of you are here because uh, you have to be. (laughs) you, You didn't really want to come, but it's tradition, so you're here. It's like the dude I talked to about in the lobby who's just keeping it real after the service, great service. See you next year. All right, buddy, we'll see you next year. (laughs) Some of you are here because maybe your parents pressured you. It's just not worth the fight. Uh, Some of you are here because of your grandma's guilt trip. She's pretty good at it and, you know, it means a lot to her. Maybe it was a girlfriend's ultimatum or maybe maybe you just had a friend invite you and you could see how much it meant to them. So you said, yeah, I'll I'll come. You're glad to come because, you know, it meant a lot to them, but but you're here for them. My prayer is that you would see it's not an accident that you're here. No matter what reason you think you came, God has brought you here today because he wants you to know that there is a hope that is available in Jesus. And I think all of us could use a little more hope these days. And the Bible teaches us that because Jesus came to earth, that he, he knows what it's like to live on this planet, to deal with the suffering and the struggle and just the stuff of life. And John chapter one says that Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us. I love the way the message paraphrases that. He put on skin and he moved into our neighborhood. He experienced what life is like. And because he experienced that, we can go to him, Hebrews 4 says, we can go to him with a confident hope that he'll help us when we really need it. Like if you really need some help right now and you're just not sure that God cares or God knows or God sees or God understands, part of the message of Christmas is that he does. He sees, he knows, he understands. He was like us. I was reading about this uh, medical professor in Germany who recognized the need for more doctors to go into geriatric medicine, caring for the elderly. And it's just hard, she said, to convince these young 20-something-year-old energetic, healthy doctors to go into this field. Even though the need is great and the demographic is growing, it's just hard to talk them into it because they don't understand what it's like. They don't get the challenges of growing older. And so she tried some lectures and presentations convincing these medical students to go into this field. Didn't really work. She eventually developed something that she called the age man suit. And it was just like the suit that she would have medical students wear that would help them feel what it's like to be a little older. And so it came with like um, these ear devices, made it harder to hear some noises, made other noises a little bit louder. It came with like these yellow tinted goggles that uh, made it difficult to see certain things and made colors hard to differentiate. It came with braces for your elbows and knees that just made the joints stiff, you know? a little slower, a little more painful to move around, Kevlar vest that pressed on your chest made breathing a little more difficult, a little more labored, trying to help them see what it's like 
to be older. And she had it so that it could press on your bladder so you'd have to use the restroom four or five times a night. That's not true, but I think that would have been helpful. Like, if there would have been some way to do that, we'd give them a better feel for it. Or I was thinking of other things that she could. Like, what if she could have made the suit so that it gave you this inexplicable desire to eat dinner at 4.30 in the afternoon at Golden Corral, and you don't even know why, and then you're gonna go home and watch, you know, Wheel of Fortune or reruns of Law and Order, or you sleep in till 5 a.m. And, uh, or, or what if it made you like stop growing hair on your head, like you lose the hair on your head, and then you start growing hair in places of your body that you didn't even know you, like you could grow hair, like you didn't even know it was physically possible. There's all kinds of things that she could have done, but the whole point was, hey, stop and think about what it's like, because she expressed her hope was that as these students felt what it was like to grow older, that they would care more and they would have a deep desire to help. And I, I think that's part of the hope of the Christmas story is that Jesus experienced what it was like and, and because of that, we have hope that he wants to help. And that's really good news for us because we could use, we could use a little extra hope. I love this um, expression that Lewis Smeads writes about hope. He says, hope is to our spirits what oxygen is to our lungs. Lose hope and you die. Now look, they may not bury you for a while, but without hope, you're dead inside. And the only way to face the future is to fly straight into it on the wings of hope. That is the only way to face the future. Hope is energy of the soul. And for some of you who just find like that your souls are tired and weary, just sick of it all. I think what you're missing is hope. Hope is the energy of the soul. So where do we find a hope like that? It's not an accident that uh, in the poem, Dante's Inferno, when Dante is trying to help us understand what hell is like, he, he puts this on the entrance of hell, this inscription, leave behind all hope those who enter here. Like that's how hell is understood, is this complete absence of hope. But maybe you hear that and you think, but that kind of sounds a little bit like my life. Just an absence of, of hope. It's not that you haven't tried, it's that you've tried and you just, you just end up disappointed again and again and again. Like you put your hope in, in maybe your family and they let you down. And so you thought, well, maybe there's a relationship over here. And so you gave someone your heart, your heart's left broken. And, and so you thought, well, I'm gonna put my hope in my career. Or I'm gonna put my hope in my finances or I'm gonna put my hope in government or this political platform or I'm gonna put my hope in, in sports or I'm gonna put my hope in my children or I'm gonna put my hope in my children in sports or I'm gonna put my hope in the church. And it just seems that at every time you put your weight on it and it gives out. It just doesn't hold you up. And you find that you're disappointed again and again, and you just wonder, is there, really, is there really a hope that you can hang on to? I think there's this regression that most of us can relate to when it comes to losing hope. It, it, it starts with us becoming more, I guess the way I would put this is more independent, where we accept the fact that no one is coming to help, like no rescue is on the way, so I guess I'm gonna have to depend on me. Everybody else let me down. Every other situation seems to disappoint me. I'll put my hope in me. And that works. 
until it doesn't, right? Until you put your hope in yourself and you recognize that yourself can't do a lot of things. Like you can't control a lot of stuff. You can't control sickness and disease and death and yourself can't do much about other people's feelings about you. Yourself can't control other people's decisions that affect you. And so after we get independent, we get a little bit more indignant as we lose hope. We just get angry about life and circumstances and people. Just makes us angry and bitter. We're just tired of it all. And maybe you wouldn't say that's the way you are, but maybe some of the people around you would. Like that's just become you. Just mad. People say, well, what's wrong? You're not even sure what's wrong. And, and then we become, I think, indifferent. Like this is hopelessness. It's what it looks like. I don't care anymore. It's just kind of living life with this whatever attitude. And so you scroll your way through the holidays. You self-medicate to just get through it. And you just begin to accept that maybe disappointment is this inevitable part of life. And you just live disappointed. You just, whatever. So the question is, is there, is there a real hope that won't let us down? I, I, I remember reading the story of Tammy Kramer. So she was the chief of an outpatient AIDS clinic in Los Angeles County in the 90s. And she tells about this day at work where a man came in for what at that time would have been like this weekly dose of medication. And he walks into the clinic and he sits down on a stool, just sits in tired silence, waiting for the doctor. The doctor that comes in that day is new to the clinic. This was his first time, never seen the patient before. And as the doctor walks in, he's looking at the patient's chart, kind of working his way through it, gives the medication. Before he leaves, the doctor says, without even looking up from the chart, the doctor just says to the patient, you know, don't you, that you're not long for this world. You got a year at most. And he walks out. And Tammy had overheard the conversation and as the patient walked out that day, she could just see like the pain. She could just see the pain in his face. And, and through this clenched teeth, the patient said to Tammy of the doctor, he, he said that blankety blank took my hope away, took my hope away. And Tammy said, maybe he did. Maybe it's time to find another hope. And that is the question I want to ask you on this Christmas Eve. Is there another hope? I mean, really? Is there a hope that won't let you down? Is there a hope that you can stand firm on? Is there a hope that you can put your weight on? Is there a hope for the future? Because I just think a lot of the anger and anxiety that we're dealing with in our world is, it's, it's, it's symptomatic of our need for some real hope. And the Bible would just say in Romans, yeah, there is that kind of hope and his name actually is Jesus, that he's the one hope that doesn't disappoint. And Christmas is, what, is when we celebrate that hope that we have in him. Isaiah talks about the birth of Jesus as this hope being born into the world. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. This is written some 700 years before Jesus is born and, and, and Isaiah is giving these prophecies that are just uniquely fulfilled in Jesus about when he's born and how he's gonna to come to this earth and how he's gonna die. But I love this. It, he just says in chapter nine, verse two, in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 
In a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so there is this hope that is born that we celebrate at Christmas. It's interesting, though, if you read Isaiah and you read these prophecies, I think Isaiah knows it's hard to believe. Like his whole message is a message of hope. 700 years before the first Christmas of Jesus' birth, Isaiah is saying to the people, Isaiah is saying, help is on the way, which is the message of hope. Help is on the way, help is on the way. But it's not just that God's coming to earth It's how he comes to earth that Isaiah, I think, just recognizes it's hard to believe. Verse one, Isaiah says, who's gonna believe this? Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? Here's the way the message paraphrases this. Who believes what we have heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? Mm, This is such a strange way, right, to save the world. It's not how we would do it. If we were writing the story of God coming to earth, it would just look different. He wouldn't have been born into a town of Bethlehem, insignificant shepherd's town. He would have been born in Jerusalem, powerful city. And he certainly wouldn't have been born to a poor teenage girl. He, he would have been born maybe to a princess, certainly a family of nobility. He wouldn't have been born in a stable and spent his first night in a manger. It would have been a palace. And this news of his birth wouldn't have first gone to the shepherds, the lowly shepherds who had such little respect in that time that they wouldn't have even been allowed to to be a witness in court. He wouldn't have been raised a carpenter's son. It It just is not how we would do it. And so the question is, why would God do it like this? Why would he do it like this? Doesn't make any sense. I think Isaiah recognizes it's just a little bit hard to believe. Why? And I think there's hope for us in this answer. Because he can, because he can, God doesn't need help, right? Like if if he would have been born into a powerful city, people might've said, well, yeah, okay, right time, right place. Look what fate can do. If he would have been born into this wealthy family, People might have said, well, yeah, look what money can do. If he would have been born the son of a king, people might have said, well, look what political positioning can do. But he was born to a poor peasant girl in a nothing town. And the only real conclusion you're left with is look what God can do. Like this is what God does. And there's so much hope for us in this. What God does is he comes into the most impossible of circumstances and he says, I'm gonna turn this into Christmas. And that's really good. That's really good news for us. There's so much hope for us in this. God almost seems to, (laughs) he almost seems to stack the deck against himself. And then he says, okay, watch this. And we have hope because of God's power demonstrated in that first Christmas story. And because of God's love, We have so much hope because we see his love for us in the way Jesus came, that when Jesus came, he came by making, Philippians 2 says, by making himself nothing. And somebody said, you can tell the depth of love by the level of sacrifice. I I think that's true. I think that's right. And Jesus, if he would have just gone from heaven to a palace, we would have said, okay, there's a lot of love there because of how much he sacrificed, but he made himself nothing. Like he... He went from heaven to a feeding trough 
And the depth of love can be seen in the level of, of sacrifice. And when the God of the universe loves you that way, what won't he do for you? And there's so much hope for us in that. Isaiah 53 goes on to say, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root and dry ground. There was nothing beautiful and majestic about his appearance. There was, listen, there was nothing to attract us to him. Jesus wasn't depending upon all the things that we think are necessary to make a difference in this world. It describes him as this tender shoot. Like he, he comes into the world and, and he's fragile and he's exposed and he's vulnerable. And there's nothing about him that would have attracted us to him. I was um, looking at some Christmas decorations on Google and, and what these decorations were supposed to have in common is that they were all supposed to have like Jesus as the center of them, right? And I came across this one ornament that said, he is the reason for the season. And then there was a picture of Jesus on this ornament. But it's not a real picture, obviously, like there's no photographs floating around. It's just an artist's rendering of Jesus. And so I, I'm looking at this ornament and I'm looking at this, this uh, picture of Jesus and I look into the eyes of my Lord and my Savior and my soul is confronted with a simple question. <laughs> is that Keanu Reeves? I think that's Keanu Reeves. My world famous Actor, former sexiest man alive, Keanu Reeves. I think the artist, I guess, just started in his mind, what's Jesus look like? And before he knew it, like he had Keanu Reeves wearing a red sash and it's now hanging from people's Christmas trees. Keanu Reeves is not the reason for the season, but there's something about us that likes the idea of it, that yeah, okay, maybe that's who Jesus was, that he just had this, um, winsome type of personality, lived this charmed life. And Isaiah says, no, no, no. You have the wrong picture of him. He says he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. Rejected. I don't know of a feeling much worse than that. Despised. Acquainted with the deepest grief. I, I know some of you. That's where you're at, like... Like the music is playing and the lights are on. But your heart, man, it's just really heavy this Christmas because somebody's missing. There's like somebody that's not here that should be here. Like they should be around the table. And, and people around you, they... They know about your loss and they wanna say something, but they're not sure if they should say something because they don't want you to think about it, but they don't realize you're always thinking about it. Grief. Jesus knows what that's like. He felt that, he was acquainted with that kind of suffering. And, and so he wasn't born to a princess or in a palace or with privileges. He wasn't a one percenter, he endured suffering. He didn't exempt himself from it. And so he comes in this way for you, out of his love for you. And verse three says, despite all of this, we turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. 
I, I heard a story on NPR this past year of a guy named Frank. At least that's how he wants to be known as Frank. He, he lives in San Diego, California, but he has an adult son who lives on the streets of Denver as this uh, homeless heroin addict. And Frank and his wife had tried, like they've tried, some of you understand, they've tried everything to save their son, to rescue their son. They've tried everything. And it just hasn't worked. And so Frank is out doing yard work one day where he's just overwhelmed by this reality that his son is gonna die. Like he doesn't have much time left. And what else can he do? He's tried everything. There's nothing else he can do. But then he has this idea. It seems crazy at first, but before he loses it, he goes in to tell his wife and he says to his wife, I think I know what I need to do. I'm gonna go to Denver and be homeless with our boy. And so he gets in touch with this guy, his name's Chris Cooper. He's like a, um, a homeless advocate in Denver. And Chris helps Frank kind of figure out the general area of where his son might be living. And, and Frank goes to Denver with nothing, begins to walk the streets until he finds his son one day. And he expresses what that moment was like. My son has no idea that I'm walking toward him. I can see that he can't stand without the support of a building. I go up to him. He sees me. He can't believe that I'm there and he turns his back on me. I don't even care. I just grab him and squeeze him as hard as I can. For the next week, Frank stays with his son foraging through the garbage for food and sleeping in the park and slapping away the rats and he doesn't shower or shave. His clothes begin to smell, get stained. And Chris Connor was talking about how he had helped a lot of parents before locate their kids, but he says, I've never had a parent who went this far to actually descend into homelessness. When Frank was asked why he did it, he said, the only thing I could think to do is just go there. Just be there and love them. Just go there and show them how much I love them by being there. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came and made himself like one of us because it was the only way. Because there's no links he won't go to to save us because he wants you to know I understand what it's like. And so some of you are here and you're like, you're having a really hard time this season making ends meet. Like you're just not sure how it's gonna happen. Listen, this is how Jesus spent most all of his life here on this earth. Homeless as an adult, grew up in poverty as a child. Maybe it seems like you're always getting the short end of things. Like. It just, it's just always been true. You feel like you've never really had a fair shake. You compare yourself to others and it just, it just doesn't seem right. Listen, Jesus was born in a manger. He knows what it's like. Or maybe you feel like your, your parents or your family doesn't understand you. Like they don't, like you're the one person in the family that this doesn't really fit in. And you're pretty aware of that these days. That was true for Jesus. His mothers and brothers early in his ministry did not understand him. Maybe somebody you really trusted let you down when you really needed them the most, like they betrayed you. The person you, the one person you thought you could trust 
and your heart has just been broken, Jesus had that happen to him? Or you, you just feel like you have been treated unfairly, unjustly. Jesus was sentenced to a violent death. He didn't do anything wrong. Isaiah 53, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities, for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace, he took upon himself and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin, the guilt, the shame. He's put it on him. All of us like sheep have gone astray. I saw this uh, video last night that I thought was helpful. And take a look at this. Like the, there's a sheep that's stuck in the ditch and the shepherd or caretaker helps rescue the sheep. And then the sheep makes a U-turn <laughs> and gets stuck in the ditch. And when I saw that, I was just struck by this for many of us and certainly plenty of times for me. Like that's my spiritual story right there. That Jesus rescues me. I'm like, thank you. And then I make a U-turn. I find myself in the same position. And that's where some of you are compared to last year. You're right back in the same place. And you think it's too much. It's too far. He doesn't care too many times. He's given up. And he just puts his arms around you and embraces you. He was pierced for our transgressions. Our sin was laid upon him. Friedrich Buchner in his book, The Hungering Dark, puts this poetically. He says, the face in the sky, the child born in the night among beasts, the sweet breath and steaming dung of beasts, and nothing is ever the same again. Those who believe in God can never in a way be sure of him again. Once they have seen him in a stable, they can never be sure where he will appear or to what lengths he will go to or to what ludicrous depths of self-humiliation he will descend in his wild pursuit of humankind. There is so much hope when you understand there are no lengths he will not go to to save you to rescue you and me from our sin. There's so much hope for me in that because if I'm honest with you, I would just tell you that the primary source of my disappointment is, is me. Like there have been plenty of times where I'm disappointed in people or circumstances and they let me down and I lose hope, but, but no one has disappointed me more than me. I, I would have thought by now, you know, I'd be able to make certain things happen. I'd be able to make certain things right, put my hope in me, that I'm always disappointed when I do that. I would have thought by now I'd, I'd be less selfish and I'd be more patient. If you would have asked me, I would have said, hey, surely by the time your grandfather, like lust and pride, mastered. That's in the rear view mirror. I'm the pastor, but don't, don't, don't make the mistake of putting your hope in me. I've made that mistake before and it always has left me disappointed. And maybe I'm not the only one, like maybe this Christmas, you're just really aware of that, that nothing and no one has disappointed you more than you. And you're not sure where to go with that or what to do. And, and if that's the case, I would just say, I bring you good news of great joy. A savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And your hope doesn't need to be in you. 
your hope, your trust, your faith, your confidence can be in, in him and what he did for you. That he was born into this world, that he was born to die, a sacrificial death, Isaiah says, where he takes our sin upon himself so that we can be saved. Hope is never lost. I know a lot of you grew up um, celebrating Christmas with what would be called the uh, five candles of Advent. And, and each of the candles represent the light that Jesus brought into the darkness when he was born. I just wanna end by recognizing these. Um, the first candle of Advent is uh, the candle of hope. It's, it's what we've talked about today. Um, that Jesus is our one true hope. He's the one hope that doesn't disappoint. He comes and he brings us hope. The second candle of Advent is a candle that represents the love that Jesus brought into the darkness. God so loved the world that he sent his son. Jesus was the physical manifestation, the expression of God's love for us. Jesus came to show us love. And then this fourth candle, this pink candle, sometimes called the shepherd's candle, represents joy. I don't know why it's pink. I'll have to Google it later. I don't think the shepherds voted on it. I don't think they would have gone with pink, but it's a pink candle known as a shepherd's candle and it represents the joy that Jesus brings. Like it's not a joy based on circumstances or situation. It's based on our relationship with him. It brings us joy that can be yours no matter what is going on around you. And then there's the candle of peace. Jesus is our Prince of Peace and he gives us a peace that passes understanding. It's a peace that cannot be explained. It has to be experienced. It's a peace that some of you are desperate for. It can be yours. Jesus came to bring that kind of light into your darkness. The center candle is called the Christ candle and traditionally it's lit at midnight on Christmas Eve as the 24th becomes the 25th, recognizing the birthday of Jesus. We of course, we don't know that Jesus was born on the 25th of December. It's possible. There's like a one in 365 chance that that's the day he was born. But we don't know that. The reason that date was chosen is because the church recognized at that time that the December 25th was the coldest and darkest night of the year. And if you're looking at a calendar and you're trying to decide what day do we want to celebrate the light that brings life into a cold and dark world, December 25th made the most sense. And so maybe you are here and you just find yourself in this cold and dark season, like it is the coldest and it is maybe the darkest it's been for you in a long time. I bring you good news of great joy. A light has dawned, a hope has been born and his name is Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. I thank you that it's real and it's true. I thank you that it is available today. We don't have to wait on it. We don't have to put it on layaway. Like it's available to us today. And I just gotta believe, Lord, that there are some people listening to this right now that need to hear it. I pray that you would let them see the light that you want to bring into their dark and cold lives. I thank you, God, that we get to celebrate at this time of year. I pray that we wouldn't just be celebrating something that 
is a historical reality, but something that is a personal experience, that you came and you give us hope and love and joy and peace. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If today's message made you realize you need to take your next step with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us on any of our social media platforms throughout the week or visit our website at southeastchristian.org. And if you want to hear more content like this, you can check out our sermons podcast or our one at a time podcast. Both can be found everywhere. Podcasts are available. Have a great week.